0: Hey, co-op partners, Philip here. I see you were trying to listen to episode one. I just wanted to point it out. This was our first episode. We were very scared and nervous. The quality of this episode isn't really up to our current standards. So if you're a first-time listener, I would recommend taking a listen to one of our newer episodes instead. If you are here on some completionist compulsion to catch them all, then go right on ahead. We kept this episode up just for you. Thanks. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Gaming Together, a cooperative podcast. I'm your host, Phil, and I'm here with my co-op partner, Nave. Thanks, Phil. Let's get started with breaking down what the podcast is going to be about. This is
1: going to be the ultimate gaming podcast for co-op enthusiasts, the people who love split-screen and couch
0: co-op alike. Oh yeah, each pod, we're going to play through a cooperative experience and then relay to you, the listener, if this game is the creme de la creme of co-op, or something better off played solo. So, how you been, Nave? Uh,
1: getting loosey-goosey right here. After a long day of work, a couple of f- fresh brewskis.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Turning Australian like for a second. Oh, yeah. Is that it? So, Nave, you like video games? <laughs> you fucking <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Do, you <want> me... <laughs> Do you want me
1: to... Hold on. What is even... Well, since this is the first episode of the podcast, you might be asking yourself, who are we, and why should you be listening to us about gaming cooperatively? Well, well, we've been friends since high school, and we've been gaming since the Nintendo Entertainment System, all the way up to the Xbox One. Well, you know, we can't get any Xbox Series Xs or any PlayStation 5s nowadays, so we'd no, be gaming on them if we could. So we need to define what exactly we mean when we say
0: co-op. All right. So what about like Civ Six multiplayer? Like if we were playing uh, on the same team against a team of bots, would you count that as multiplayer or just co-op?
1: I would probably, because in my mind, that's how I imagine Left 4 Dead. You know how Left 4 Dead has the multiplayer mode where you can have, you can have real people playing as the enemies, as the yep. it's special infected? I would consider that co-op.
0: Yes. It's different. Wait, co-op with humans on the enemy team? Well, co-op with
1: bots on the enemy team. Okay. I would then... even I would kind of even consider Left 4 Dead with with humans on the enemy team as co-op since that game is since teamwork is so integrated into this all of the systems. But uh, that's a lot of gray area.
0: Yeah, that sounds almost more like an asymmetric versus game though.
1: Yeah. And you can then you could start to argue like games like League of Legends where you if you don't work together then you lose. So, Yeah. That's another good question. I would consider playing against bots only. In a game, in a strategy game similar to Civ 6 as a co op game, I would not consider playing League of Legends against bots a co op game.
0: All right, I can see that. So, Kane and Lynch, I remember we both played that back in the day, right?
1: Yes, uh, Kane and Lynch being the uh, mobster army of two for gangsters, right? Yeah,
0: gangster army of two, which that whole game was co op, (laughs) right?
1: Yes, both of those games were co op. That that was like the the heyday, (laughs) the heyday for those games.
0: Yeah, like, I don't know know how old you listeners are, but me and Ave are, what, like, 27 now?
1: We're, the horizon of 30 is right there.
0: So, like, we didn't have internet, like, stable internet, until we were, like, 13, 12, somewhere around there. I try not to think about it. Yeah, so we spent a lot of time doing the old couch co-op split-screen mode. Some system link was in there, you know? Like, that's one that doesn't get brought up anymore, but system link still existed.
1: Yeah, the Halo land parties, Halo yeah. 2. Well, let's get into the games that we're playing. I'm looking down at the notes that we have here and it says you're playing Magic Arena,
0: Frostpunk, Morrowind and Kingdom Hearts 2. Is that what that? Yeah. KH2, Kingdom Hearts 2. Well, it's Kingdom Hearts 2.5 uh No Rest for the Wicked edition.
1: Gnarly. Absolutely gnarly. Um what are you what are you doing in Magic Arena?
0: Oh, I just started um like they have the quick drafts which are like it gives you a good chance to get a good stack of cards because of course the game is free to play, but you pay to build up the deck, you know? Uh, so the hard thing is to get the premium cards. And so if you go to a draft, you literally get to, you know, draft a deck by picking out the cards you want. Now, of course, all the cards are random and the pickings get pretty slim around, uh, each little like break off in the pack. Like, uh, was there like, um, about eight players in the average draft, or something like that. Generally, yeah, it's a it's a pot of eight. Yeah, and so like by the time you get around to, like final pick, there's basically not much to choose from. But any card you get from the draft, you get added to your permanent deck, which is very uh, like a nice way to do it. And the only way to enter drafts is with like the in-game currency. It's not like premium currency, which you know I appreciate. And then you build that deck, which probably isn't that efficient. And you go out and you fight against the other drafted decks, the people that you drafted against. I always appreciate playing the drafted style games because it comes down to flexibility and understanding the game more than who has the best cards per se. Like, in, you know, like I know you play magic in real life, real life Mm -hmm. magic. You can tell, like, the whales out there who are spending $55 just to get a like 4-4 four, four, like dragon or something like that that has some ultimate ability that can wipe the field and this was only available in a i don't know one pack six years ago like am i wrong or you
1: just caused me you caused me so much pain just now Oh, is
0: is that not a thing just just
1: 55 dollars for is, card a card six years ago <laughs> no Look, i don't, well, know. I don't we, play in real life <laughs> it's it's um uh, if you if you would have asked the Magic the Gathering community uh five years ago what the most popular format was for paper magic, which is what you call in real life magic, oh, okay. um they would definitely say it was draft. But uh, these days, now that it's Commander, the product with the prices of the cards have skyrocketed. It's it's pretty intense. But um that's enough about that very, very complicated game. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what about you? We could talk about that for a couple hours. What have you um, been playing then? Uh, one of the games I've been playing is Plague Tale: Innocence, and that's one of those games that kind of looks like it might be co-op if you looked at the screenshots. But you're basically a little girl going through like mid medieval, what I would assume is England, because everyone sounds British. So, oh, man. but you're protecting your little brother, and the, like the plague happens. And I'm not going to spoil anything really, but. Really, you were just... It's like an emotional kind of game, and it's a stealth game. So, And there's a little bit of puzzle solving. So unfortunately, I'm having a lot of problems with that because I'm a very impatient gamer. Um, mm-hmm. I i have this crazy eclectic library of, of uh, genres that I like to pull from, but when it comes to stealth, I have a hard time after the third failed attempt to want to continue on. So I have a lot of moments where I... Feel like i've been wrongly spotted or someone heard me even though i was being silent and i'm like i can't play this anymore i have to play something where i can kill everything in the room
0: oh uh, yeah yeah, i've been there i'm trying to think what game so, that was for me sorry. i have oh uh, uh, what was it it was on game pass um oh, it was one of those cthulhu games you know there's like four cthulhu games that all came out back to back to back
1: yeah i think they were pc games i don't know. I, I think uh, there, i know what you're was talking one about but I'm sure. i don't remember
0: what it was called but it was such a cool game, cool atmosphere, decent graphics. Let's see if I can find the name for it in a little bit. It, there's just one point where it turned into a stealth game. And games that aren't stealth games that try to stealth, that is like the worst experience I could ever have. It's like if you're trying to, I don't know, play stealthy in Mass Effect 2 or something like that. Like, it just doesn't work. Yeah, this game is,
1: um, I think the, the stealth mechanics are just... They're mediocre, but the game is made to be a stealth game. So, and the checkpoints are very, they're very uh, generous. So it's not like you lose a whole lot of time. It's just that I am I get aggravated very fast at failure. So um, I see that you were done Frostpunk. I don't even know what that is. So tell me a little bit about oh, that. It's
0: on Game Pass. You got to check it out. Okay, picture a survival RTS with no combat that I've seen so far. So basically, um. You're in a, uh, you're British and British. the age of ice has come and your British little people run away to basically look for warmer conditions as the whole world is now freezing over. They find, or maybe they build I don't remember exactly, but they find basically a giant furnace. And as long as they can keep this furnace running, they won't freeze to death in the negative 40 degrees weather. And so you just have to gather resources and you basically build a small town around this giant heater. And that's fine, except the whole game is based on a semi-morality system where you're either building up hope or despair. And, of course, there's like 70 people. Half of them are amputees and children who can't feed themselves, really. So it's like you have limited resources or manpower that you can put towards each resource. And it is literally like you are trading lives just to keep the game going. And the way the developments work, it's like your first tech tree, you can either develop into child labor or um, like child education. Child labor gives you basically double the manpower for the rest of the game. But child education uh, will raise hope, whereas the other one raises despair. And if your despair gauge maxes out, you lose the game. Like, they instantly, like, your people rebel. Oh, and... it's like
1: a really focused civilization where you just have one city.
0: Oh, yeah, and it is brutal. Like, I've only made it out of, like, chapter one once. And that's the other thing is, like, they give you save slots so you can save scum. But you get better every time, so you never want to save scum. Because the more optimized your team is, like, the more hope you can, like, generate because, like, the first time I did, I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to go full dark side on this one. And I had, like, child labor. Um, we were burying the amputees in the ice so we could save their organs for other people to do organ transplants. Like, it was not a good time. And
1: <laughs> organ things went south
0: so fast. Yes, like, people were starving to starving death. Not good. Not a good time. People were freezing to death. But then my second run, I, like, I was able to go super good boy. I made it even further. But then ended up still screwing everything up. Third one, once again. I went super evil this time and I made it even further. Like it really comes down to a mix,
1: kind of like a roguelite.
0: Oh yeah, like i definitely
1: recommend it. That kind of makes me want to play. Have you played Darkest Dungeon?
0: Uh, you know, I have not, but I've seen some videos on it. It's in it's incredible.
1: It's on it's on the Xbox now, but uh it was on PC, that's where I played it. It was on Steam a few years ago. And I've been meaning to buy it on Xbox. I just have so much shit in my backlog, but uh, I can't justify another purchase. So let's get into the topic of the day. Today all right, all right. we're going to be talking about Halo Three, the seminal, basically the peak Halo in a lot of people's opinion. Some people would say Reach, but I would die on that hill. So Halo Three, developed by Bungie, is a first-person shooter, and it has it's uh, up to four players in multi in a uh, in co-op. It also is mostly known for its multiplayer, but a lot of people revere the story. How did you play through Halo 3? This is a loaded question because I know the answer because we played it all oh, together. Well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's how we do co-op things, right? You know, just a couple boys hanging out, playing games together. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think we played through it all the way through normal. And since we've already played that game so much, like, we just kind of flew through it. It was just such a fast play. Then, like, uh, you know, the other game has like the score system. Remember, we went back and uh, played through just to get some like high scores on certain levels. You know, playing like the hardest difficulty for a couple of those, and we did just like some achievements. Uh, kind of hunting through too. We got a third person in there, a third secret co-op buddy. Uh, do you remember what his name was?
1: Uh, Christian. He's one of my real life friends.
0: Oh, I thought he was a
1: rando. We might have also had a rando.
0: We oh, did have a rando did we have four at one point. At one point?
1: We did have four, but oh, then, we had a
0: we had a full co-op party.
1: Yeah, we eventually dwindled back down to, to two.
0: Alright. So now that we've gotten a brief intro to the game, what's your past experiences with this game?
1: Well, I'm pretty sure most people who grew up in the age of the three sixty, they remember the launch of Halo three and it was a big spectacular, like crazy crazy event. It was culturally moving.
0: Oh yeah. As far Midnight as a gaming enthusiasts.
1: We, live in, we lived in kind of like this tiny little town in the middle of nowhere whenever we went to this, what was it, the, the midnight release. And I remember vividly that there was a Hummer outside, like a big old-school Army Hummer. And in the back, there were two TVs and two Xboxes, and they were playing Halo 4, like four controllers, four players split screen on both screens. And they were – people were playing Halo 4 in the back of this Hummer.
0: Halo 4 or and Halo that's 3? how
1: – halo 2 oh halo Halo 2 2. (laughs) good catch and so uh because the game wasn't out yet we were all waiting for the midnight release and everything and so ah it was it's just it's hard to describe (laughs) because i don't think anything like that's ever going to happen again like especially after the whole pandemic and everything this this idea that we had like in this tiny little town, all of the little sister towns, we had people coming to our GameStop, and so we, there were just like 100 people outside of this GameStop, and we were I mean, all we just like the only waiting for Master Chief. We were just waiting to fucking see what happened to the Arbiter, you know what I mean? And yeah, we were waiting to play that fucking multiplayer. It's... So, basically, and I don't, I don't want to take words from your mouth, but we come home after high school every day, and we would mm-hmm. play Halo 3, and, we had, and everyone was playing Halo 3 back then. Like, it's not like now where you have the, you, you can just throw a dart at a dartboard and have another multiplayer shooter to play that has a end base that you'll be able to consistently find matches in. Back then, you played Modern Warfare or you played Halo 3. Yep. And that was it. Those were the two games. And so
0: Well, there was weird.: but that was like a subset well, on itself.
1: Yeah, the, the Gears of War, the Gears of War thing, they had their own thing going on. But Halo Three when it came out, especially with Forge mode and everything, custom games, it was it was different from from Gears of War because we would come and we would have twelve player lobbies to play Jenga. And we would do that yeah. all night. <laughs> we would play Fat Kid and the custom games. And if you haven't if you haven't played Halo Three uh custom games, you can go on to the Master Chief collection today. I think we should have mentioned before that it, Halo Three in order oh, yeah. to play, you should play on the Master Chief collection. But you can play these custom games. Like I can find a game faster in halo three. And I can find a game in rainbow six siege, which is an incredibly popular game on, on Twitch and everything. But if you looked on Twitch and saw halo three and all the other shooters, you'd think halo was a dead game, but yep. it's incredibly alive, especially with the PC crossplay. after all of that. <laughs> uh What do you have to say about your experiences with this game and your nostalgia?
0: What, made Halo 3 such a revolutionary game at the time, though, was almost the power it gave to the players to um, steal a line from, what was that? Um, was that Nintendo Power? Power to the players? Is that thing? thing? GameStop. Game, is that's GameStop. Alright, well, like, Halo had it all. You went in there and there was competitive shooting action in multiplayer. Not to mention a bangers campaign, which we'll touch on later. Then the custom games was the runaway hit Old PC gamers will talk about like the Blizzard games, the custom games in StarCraft. How they don't even look like StarCraft games, like they look like mm-hmm. people were, were playing. Um, oh, what was the game before League of Legends? Dota. Dota. Yeah, wasn't Dota. Like originally a um, a game mode a mod in for StarCraft. Yeah, yeah, it was a mod in StarCraft. Yeah, or something like that. But that was basically yeah, it's like, like Team
1: hit. Fortress with uh, with uh, Half Life. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was exactly like that. Like the custom games in Halo, I'm sure, has launched just as many like spin off like game ideas as all the starcraft like custom games have because like the like we haven't talked about the forge yet but basically like in case you haven't played halo 3 or any halo since then the forge was a map editor tool that gave more player tools than you've seen in almost any other game at the time like there were a couple like far cries like the far cry series had a map editor I don't know if the new ones have, but the old ones did. I don't, think and, I don't think they do. Okay. Well, I guess they dropped that. But the Halo 1 was just mind-blowing how much power it gave to the players. And it wasn't even like we would make the craziest maps or game types or anything like that. Like, I remember one of our favorite game types. Um, do you remember what it was called? The one where it was like a small square room and everyone would stand against a wall this is something that,
1: if you are a Halo aficionado, you won't know about because this is one of our things that we did. But we used to call oh, that dungeon yeah. master because of oh, Dungeons Turns and of Dragons. Dragons. We called it dungeon yeah. master, and it was basically just a a, a small room that uh, on one end would spawn a zombie who was in, unkillable unless you hit him from hit melee him in the back, and then everyone else spawned on a wall like a. It was basically. <laughs> It was basically a a firing squad, a one-man firing squad. And the yep. rules of the game were there were no rules. You do what the zombie says. And so the zombie would – he would you can just shoot someone and just be like, okay, that guy's dead. Now that everyone's alive, I'm thinking of a number. And <laughs> if you don't guess my number, I'm shooting you. You can just do whatever you wanted. And so us being dumb high school kids, like that was hours of entertainment. That was basically just hanging out at a, at a park, pushing each other off of monkey bars.
0: Yeah, like we'd almost get into like role playing with um, the dungeon master who was able to kill any other players. The players who had no power would lead revolts against the dungeon master and try and <laughs> rush him. Like it was ridiculous and poorly designed game, but we probably spent hundreds of hours just in similar game types to that.
1: And I, uh, touching on what you were t- saying earlier about Dota and uh, Team Fortress, I was. It, what immediately came to my mind was this new fad of the, uh, the asymmetrical multiplayer games like Dead by Daylight where you have a monster and then you have a bunch of regular people that can't kill the monster and they, oh, or, or they kid? can or something. Yeah, I was going to say that is exactly the fat kid game type that, became, that just propagated throughout custom games. Fat Kid is the, it's that, it's that, you're, it's a zombie game mode where you have one zombie who's really slow but indestructible and you just hunt down everybody. And usually the other, usually the other humans, excuse me, they have to go through like an obstacle course or something really annoying just to try and get away from the Fat Kid and be the last guy to to die. Or they're looking for
0: like a certain power up that'll give them the ability to kill the zombie at the end. Like something like that. Yeah. Which always, you know, led to many, uh. Like screaming, you know, preteens and teenagers as the zombie gets closer, slowly walking and everyone's just trying to crawl through like a tiny window. Oh, I
1: was, I was playing Halo. We were playing uh, Halo 3 custom games earlier. uh, I would say earlier, I mean, like maybe four or five days ago. And we played some fat kid in a party of 12 people. There was a full party. If you go into the LFGs, like the looking for groups on Xbox and I was screaming. Like I, yeah, I would I know, hear so them coming. I would hear someone die and I'd get stuck on a rock and I couldn't I'd be like fuck fuck you know, just trying to get away. It's it's intense. It's it's goofy and it's dumb and that's why it's so fun. Like it's like hard to get mad about it.
0: It's so stupid. Alright, but that's the more custom game side. Let's get into like the actual gameplay and the game mechanics. So would you say Halo 3 is a first-person shooter? Mm, I think.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, it definitely is. It
0: is um, the formula of Doom and like Duke Nukem to a T. It's,
1: uh, it's definitely, especially in the multiplayer, uh, it's, it's very arena shooter-like, where power, the power weapons are very important. And I would say that that carries oh, yeah. over to the campaign as well. A little less so because you're overwhelmed by enemies. So the power weapons, the, the lack of am- ammunition is a lot more of a problem, a lot more of a hindrance. Like, I would almost always rather have a battle rifle than a rocket launcher, unless, oh, I, of yeah. course, you're trying to take down a vehicle or anything like that. And even yeah. then, if you're trying to take down a vehicle, I want a plasma pistol. <laughs> I want the vehicle. Give me the vehicle, please.
0: So Halo 3 is infamous almost. For being like the last game where Master Chief cannot sprint. Where are you on the sprint side of the Halo argument?
1: I, I'm a avid... Okay, how do I put this? <laughs> I don't like the sprint. But when I switch from Halo 4 to Halo 3, I confuse myself. Mm-hmm. that I can't sprint. I get confused that I'm not sprinting. Now, people are people will get upset with Halo 3 because you can't sprint away, but really, the characters are sprinting all the time. It's like asking for a sprint in Doom Eternal where your character is just hauling ass already. You know? Wait, can you not and sprint in Doom Eternal? I don't think you can. I'm pretty oh, sure he just noticed. moves fast.
0: He can, yeah, yeah, fast he can move very, very fast.
1: I think because he has the dash and everything and everyone just dashes uh, around every- yeah. anyway. So if you sprinted it would be slower than just dashing all, all over the place. But, um I follow Chris Reagan who really was a he's a very big proponent of no sprint in Halo and really I think what he was mainly saying is that he 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 makes a good point is that sprint w- you warp level design around the ability to sprint and You're not always sprinting, and sprinting, in fact, is a hindrance to you all the time. Like, just Mm -hmm. the fact that you started sprinting means that you cannot shoot as fast as someone who walks around a corner and is not sprinting. And that's the trade-off. You're moving faster, but you have an animation that you have to follow through before you can aim down your gun and shoot. And usually you're dead by then. So a lot of people who play Halo 4 are not sprinting anyways are kind of just walking around but the fact that you can sprint makes the maps a lot larger which means that the kill uh the, the the life average is a lot higher which means that you doesn't feel like you're experiencing action as much which leads to boredom as in my head that's like a, it's like a oversimplification obviously because that's not the case at all but uh, in the long run but Halo 3 definitely benefits from not being able to sprint because the map design was built around that.
0: You know, I agree. Like, um, the lack of sprint is very important for Halo 3. It also gives power to the vehicles, which is actually my favorite part of the game.
1: Vehicles are incredibly important, especially, I was going to jokingly say the mongoose, but you really... The goose! The gun goose in Halo 2 is where it's at, the remaster. Yeah, yeah. But, um... No one can deny the goss hog's power, and nope. the goss hog is even more powerful because you can't sprint away from it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so you see, it come around <laughs> the corner, you just start kind of walking diagonally the other way, hoping for the best.
1: Yeah. You see the go- you see the goss hog come around the corner on Sandtrap, and you just set your controller down and you pick up your phone because you know you're gonna be waiting for the respawn timer now. Yeah. But um, you anyway, we're getting a little off the rails. Uh, let's touch on the story since we're going to be doing a co-op podcast. We're basically almost always going to be reflecting back on the campaigns anyways. So that seems like a good touchstone to hit before we actually start diving into the co-op mechanics and everything like that.
0: Okay. Well, you know, Halo's deep on the lore side. Uh, Have you played all the Halos, Uh, Yeah, multiple times. Okay. So if you remember back in Halo 2, Master Chief, quote, goes to finish the fight. With the covenant in space, and hmm. that's where Halo Three begins. With him falling from space, where he crash lands, and he meets his little human buddies, and he meets Arbiter. We know Arbiter because he is the Keith elite. David. Yeah, he's he's the best boy. Keep David. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he's you know from Halo Two, he is now a good guy, and he's fighting with the humans because in you know Halo Two he was real bad, bad dude. And he is actually the main avatar of player two throughout the whole campaign. They play as the arbiter. And so this is where, like, our buddy cop show begins. And of course, they do that whole little thing where they try to kill each other at first because every time, you know, the heroes meet each other, they got to fight for a little second.
1: Yeah. And then, and then Keith. I mean, I was gonna say Keith David again, but Arbiter says that line that I quote all the time. I constantly yeah. saying this. And he looks at he looks at Chief, because uh, what is this? What is it? Uh, Sergeant Johnson is like, we gotta get through this without killing each other. And then Arbiter yeah. pulls the pistol out of his mouth, and he's like, "Where it's so easy." Which is a horrible Keith David impression, but I I say that all the time. I love it. It's yep. ah, it's so
0: fucking good. The stupid one liners. Um, so. Chief and Arbiter, then teaming up together, uh, re- retired to the nearest human base, where they proceed to get a very angry message from the leader of the evil sp- Covenant Space Army, Truth. He says that apparently about two miles from the human base, they found a artifact that is going to you know, change the war or whatever. So Master Chief and Arbiter decide, not on my watch, and they go after it. And it turns out this is an artifact that opens a portal to the Ark. Dun, dun, dun. I know. Uh, the Ark is apparently a remote activator that can fire all the halo rings. And it was on Earth the whole time. What are the odds of that? If the Ark was on Earth? Yeah, it was right down um, Tissavo Highway, remember? The Covenant ships like were bombing it to dig it out. And that's where they found like the whole artifact site. No, the Ark wasn't... I mean, the Ark wasn't there. The artifact that opened the portal to the Ark was.
1: Oh, okay. Because I was like, I thought the Ark was like a big-ass thing. And yeah, like it's, it was it's a giant
0: construct. Okay, okay. so... Yeah, okay, I'm, so, I'm
1: now not lost anymore. Okay.
0: I was like, fucking now that we're thinking about it real hard. Okay, I know the Halo 3 plot is deep, but we'll get through it. So... <laughs> Uh, Truth activates the portal, and the sky opens up, and they see the giant construct that is the Ark. And just as they're like, hey, we need to do something about this, you'll never guess who shows up. The Flizzard? No, yeah, the Flood, yeah, they show up. (laughs) (laughs) No, not the Flizzard. (laughs) Yeah, the Flizzard. (laughs) They crash land into the city that they just happen to be nearby. Convenient. And in the previous game, there was another character known as Cortana. Who is a lady computer AI who hangs out with Master Chief a lot?
1: She's the she's the uh, pause button every other level. She just pauses yeah. the game for you for a couple
0: seconds, lets oh, you breathe. I forgot about that part. Yeah. So Cortana's not here, and every five seconds or so, Chief has like a weird <laughs> flashback where he thinks about her, and it is probably my the most annoying thing in the game. Like if you could remove anything from the games, it would be those scenes.
1: Yeah, those in the grave mine ones i I remember when you were talking about cortana you're like how is how are we hearing cortana even though she's not around and i'm i've started to think that we're just remembering things that she said to us before yeah she's not actually talking to us she's just like you're remembering things that she said like he's just he's been in his she's basically an ai that's like in his brain yeah, he's the it's the, the, of the, the smart part
0: of his brain, almost.
1: And so he's probably having some kind of like, uh, like acid echoes, where you 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 experiencing your acid, you're experiencing your acid trip a little bit later, even though you're not on acid, like something like that. But with Cortana, and then because I was thinking, like you hear the Grave Mind the same way that you hear Cortana, but when you're in those spots. It's Gravemind's there.
0: You're like yes. right next to him. You're Lee, on Lee. the ship with him. Yeah. And so Masheve's like, Oh, I left Cortana with Gravemind, who Gravemind is the leader of the Flood for you new listeners. And he goes over to the crashed ship, breaks into it, fights the Flood with a big Covenant army backing him up. And he gets in there and he's like, Cortana, where are you? And he finds a message from Cortana saying, Hey, go through the portal. It's all going to be okay. And I don't know how Master Chief convinces Arbiter to go along with this, but Master Chief and Arbiter never talk to other like, through the whole series. Like, there's even, like, other Covenant forces that show up that has, like, uh, the leader of the ship, I don't remember his name. There's another elite that Master Chief talks to more than he talks to Arbiter. And I don't know if you remember back in Halo 2, Arbiter was almost, like, half the story missions were Arbiter missions. Where he was the main okay. character.
1: You were, you were killing the,
0: uh, the heretics or whatever? Yeah. Okay, so they decide to go through the portal. They go through the portal, but the Flood follows them. Surprise, surprise. They end up on the Ark fighting the Covenant and the Flood, trying to take control of the control room. And the Covenant get there first. Of course, they were there first. you know. And they're about to fire the rings, which are going to kill all humans and all living things in the galaxy humans and flood team up for the most unlikely roommate situation because you know, the flood are zombies that are literally taking over the dead people's bodies. They team up and they take down like the big bad truth and basically wipe out the last of the covenant. But lo and behold, peace was not to last. Then the flood turn on the humans, of course, and the humans turn on the flood. Uh, Chief managed to rescue Cortana from Gravemind and tries to blow up the Flood ship to kill Gravemind. I think it actually blows him and kills him. But the Flood are still, you know, running around. So they find out that this, the Ark, is actually a Halo factory and is making a new Halo after the one we blew up in Halo 2. Already, the story is almost more complicated than it needs to be. And since this new Halo is not connected to the other Halos, Cortana says the Master Chief can activate it and it will destroy the Flood and the Ark and the Halo and they can escape. Cue epic chase sequence as... Oh, I almost skipped the part. Uh, there's another kind of like sub-race and that is the maintainers of the Halos, the Sentinels, featuring Guilty Spark as the main one, who is trying to get you to fire the ring and whenever you're ready to go fire the ring, he turns on you because you realize that you're going to blow them all up or whatever. And so then you got to take down the Sentinels, the Flood, and the Covenant and fight your way out, just so you guys can get to the ship. And apparently Arbiter's there the whole time. And you guys are about to go to the portal to go back to Earth, because the portal's been open this whole time, I guess. Or maybe they open it up, I don't remember. But apparently the ship only makes it halfway through and gets cut in half, where Master Chief is in the back half, Arbiter's in the top half, Arbiter escapes, and the whole arc explodes, killing all the Flood. Apparently, Master Chief survives, but now he's lost, floating in space, and that leads right into Halo Four. So, any questions? I missed
1: the point where I got to talk about the other yeah. amazing one-liner that Arbiter says when they when they catch up with Truth, oh, which one? and Truth is like, "I am Truth, the voice of the Covenant," and then RV comes up behind him with the energy sword, and he's like, "And so." You must be silenced. And he bah! just fucking stabs him. And I'm just like, bah! and then I skip the rest of the cutscene. I, yeah. I just want to hear Arbiter say that.
0: The Arbiter like, is God, the best so part good. of the cutscenes. Like, he's got comes the out, one-liners, but... man. Yeah, he's it's Arbiter Chief and Sergeant Johnson. He knows what the lady's like. Hell
1: yeah. It's Sergeant then Johnson there's... and Chief in the in the second game. I think, because I don't remember shit from Halo 2 with the as far as the Arbiter is concerned, as far as what he says. I know tons yeah. of things about Chief. Like, Chief's got to give them back their bomb, you know. Oh my it's god! Like, what if you miss? I won't, you know. <laughs> like everyone knows when yeah. someone says, "I need a weapon," you're talking about <laughs> fucking Halo, you know. It's like, but it's all yeah. army in Halo Three. But it,
0: yeah, like Master Chief just loses his voice in Halo Three, and that's what almost makes it kind of like weird, like narratively, because Master Chief is just a killing robot through the whole series. Whereas every other character we see has actual like emotion, and they're like in like their own action movie. Whereas Master Chief is just like robotically moving through the motions.
1: That's one thing I feel like they tried to address in Halo Four, which Halo Four was made by a completely different developer, Three Four Three, which was which funny enough is named after Guilty Spark. Uh, Guilty, yeah. Spark 343, Guilty Spark is Three Four Three. Guilty Spark. Blah blah. Anyway, and so uh, in Halo Four, it's there's there's this cognitive dissonance because in Halo one, he hardly talks. Halo two, he's talking a little bit, and then Halo three, he barely talks at all again. And then Halo four, he's he won't shut the fuck up. He's constantly talking, yeah. and so it, I I almost prefer Silent Chief. If for anything, it reminds me of Doom Guy, who is one of my favorite characters ever, and he doesn't say a goddamn thing.
0: Yeah, he doesn't need to, and um, it uh... just seems weird when he's in a world where people are throwing up. Like these crazy one liners every other cutscene and he doesn't even acknowledge them. Like he just moves right to the next thing. He just, just says assume like, at the end of Cortana I'm where are we go I just assume after 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 Arbiter stabs him,
1: he says, You must be silenced. He stabs him, like and it fades out. I just assume that like they just they just fist bump right after that else. I was thinking of cool. thumbs up actually.
0: Jump. But fist bump's good,
1: too. You did it. Well, thumbs up is a Yakuza thing. (laughs) That makes me think of Kiryu. He gives gives the thumbs up.
0: He's like, that shit's rad. So, but of course, you know, story can only get you so far. How was the co-op for you?
1: Well, the main overview of the co-op is that the campaign is not affected even slightly with the co-op where if you're playing solo you're going to have the arbiter there anyway he's going to be an ai co-op companion um similar to like Resident Evil 5 or Resident Evil 6 where you constantly just have this ai following you around there is an interesting uh, situation though because like we said at the beginning of the podcast Halo 4 Halo 3 shit it, it's it's it uh supports four player co-op so incredible you can have two random elites that I'm sure have names, but I could care less about these elites.
0: Because <laughs> they <laughs> give me a second to look up their names. Uh, they have a
1: wiki page, I bet. Like they have to, all right? But um, it, that's an interesting thing because whenever, if you look back on the legacy of Halo, uh, Halo One and Halo Two, I I know Halo One only supported two player co-op. I'm pretty sure Halo Two only supports two player co-op as well. Yep, I think that's two only. And in both games, you were just another Master Chief. Oh
0: yeah, the Master Chief conundrum, where yeah, you so just you play as brother. another Master Chief and his brother. Yeah, Master Chief.
1: Yep. In Halo Two, there's absolutely no change in anything. The only, there is a change in Halo One, where in at the very first cutscene, this is the only change as far as I'm as far as I'm aware. the The opening cutscene will have two Master Chiefs side by side in crowd. Oh yeah, in the tubes. I forgot about that. Rather than just one. So, Yeah, that's weird. It's cute, but it's, it's <laughs> the only real nod towards it. So Halo 4 has the only real nod is that you'll have two uh, differently colored elites following Master Chief around who are never really acknowledged.
0: And so... Yeah, they are definitely not in the narrative at all. And that's the other thing is like, I don't know, like they don't... I don't see the interaction. Like there's no narrative inflammation of the co-op. You know? Like it doesn't feel like I'm fighting the flood with um, Arbiter, whenever like I don't have a co-op partner. In fact, I feel like I don't even see Arbiter half the missions because you just leave them in the dust. Yeah, the AI
1: is not spectacular in early 360 Gen uh, games. <laughs> I don't know what word I'm looking for, but
0: but the game um... is definitely improved by playing in co-op. Would I say that right?
1: Uh, yeah, it, there's a lot more leniency in the game when you have multiple people. Um, the game becomes exponentially easier because there's no real way to balance having four people in the map. Uh, the game, I feel, is definitely geared towards a single-player experience or, at most, a two-player co-op experience. And what I mean by that is that game is still challenging on legendary if you're playing the the canon difficulty is heroic the step which if you're new to halo the difficulties are easy normal heroic and legendary I'm, i don't even know if the first level's easy no one plays on it yeah it is so. easy so heroic is the third difficulty right under the hardest one and that's the canon difficulty so if you're playing on heroic with two people it's still moderately challenging the moment that you introduce two extra pairs of hands and two extra life bars, two extra targets to be concentrated on. The game just gets completely broken and you can run through it so easily. If you're even mildly competent in the game and you know where to go, like if you've beaten it once or twice on normal or heroic and game, the the game doesn't do the borderlands thing where the enemies become more plentiful, the more people who are Mm -hmm. in your lobby uh the game just generates as far as i'm aware the same amount of people it feels like the same amount of people and so every, so it's if there's 10 people in a room you run in there with two people and you have 10 people against two against two rather than having 10 against four it's it's simple mathematics that the 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 more that you have the easier it's going to be you have so many more people that you have to concentrate on and it makes the game a little bit cheaper but it's still a fun co-op experience. And I always recommend that we play on Legendary when we have more than two people because it becomes almost a speed-running game at that point.
0: Oh, yeah. Any difficulty less than even, like... Yeah, I will not say Legendary. You can just speed-run the game because the enemies do despawn after you get, like, two checkpoints ahead almost. And plus, whenever you have multiple people... Like, I'm really guilty about this where, like, the way the respawn system works is if one person's alive the whole team can spawn at him as long as they are not quote unquote in any danger from the AI. So if I know I have a lifeline like that, like my guard is down. I am just like speed running past enemies. I'm going for basically risky plays just to like move the story along.
1: Yeah, the game doesn't have any like life system or in place or anything. There's no permadept. So I mean there are difficulty multi difficulty multipliers called skulls where you can change the rules of the game and one of the skulls does turn off respawning basically if you if one of the team if one of any of you die even in four player co-op if one person dies you have to restart to the last checkpoint well when you're normally playing re- through yeah. the game uh if you're when you're normally playing through the game uh like you said if somebody's alive you can respawn on him as long as he's not getting looked at by the end as long as no enemies are, like directly yeah. looking at him And which is, it's a sketchy system because sometimes you'll be 20 parsecs away. Is that a unit of measurement? So far, you'll be in another galaxy, and you still won't be able to spawn on your teammate. Then there'll be no one around. And so, uh, and then sometimes you'll be getting beaten to death by the flood, and you will spawn right next to that guy. So, it's not a perfect system, but it's definitely easier than if you die, you restart which would be the solo gameplay.
0: Yeah. You know, one thing I did want to really hit on, though, is just the co-op design in the vehicles. Now, Halo is definitely a game, like, you see games where it's like, okay, did they make the campaign first and then strap on a multiplayer section afterwards? Halo was definitely developed, like, cojoined because the multiplayer is fully fledging and can stand on its own. Campaign also can stand perfectly on its own but the signature vehicle of halo i would have to say is either the tank scorpion tank or the warthog and the warthog is just my bread and butter in the game like it feels so good to drive and whenever you hop in that sucker and then you have a actual capable person manning the gun in the back which the warthog is just a jeep with a big gun strapped to the butt and you just have that thing whipping through piles and piles of space aliens and your buddy's just like mowing them down. That is the core experience of Halo. That is the Mario Party minigame. Of, one of you guys is playing like a uh, rough rally style uh, car driving experience. And the other guy is doing a like third person shooter while like trying to maintain his aim. While the other guy is doing donuts, just driving in circles. like trying not to get blown up. <laughs> yeah, as he's trying to avoid tank shots and everything else from the evil space aliens. And they even like almost highlight this in certain levels. Like Halo 3 definitely benefits from the, what I'd say the like theme park level design, where this is the like tutorial level, which is just like a tunnel through a forest, the first level. And then from there they go to like an indoors level. Then they go to a warthog level where it's literally just you and your buddy on a warthog driving down the highway. The level is called the the Tissavo Highway. And then it just goes to like a tank level, like a flying level, a zombie-themed level where it's all spooky, literally called, was it, like the Storm, which leads to the Flood arriving. Like, oh, and Halo loves its uh, symbolism and all its naming. Like you're going after a big bad guy named Truth who doesn't understand that if he fires the rings... It's going to kill everyone. Instead, he believes the lies that it's going to save everyone. The Warthog is definitely, like, would be my number one co-op mechanic in this game. Like, I don't know, like, we make this, like, a uh, a repeating um, little format in our show where, like, the key co-op mechanic would definitely be the Warthog. It, like, requires two people to be used effectively. Like, the AI does fine. The AI can't really drive, but they can shoot okay but nothing feels better than playing Halo with you driving the Warthog and you got a good buddy in the back. I, don't know what- I was
1: going to bring up the Scorpion tank because we were saying that the vehicle design was inherently a two-party at least. And Oh, yeah. With the Scorpion, I was going to say you even have this turret in the front. And the more you spoke about the Warthog, the more I was like, well, the Scorpion tank is just completely to- It's completely fine if you only have one person in there. But the more, the more I thought about it, the less I thought about it in the context of the campaign and in mm-hmm. the context of the multiplayer, I would think that it is. It's, it's just as much a two-person vehicle as the Warthog is because one real serious deficiency of the, of the Scorpion tank is that it has a hard time killing people close to it. But it has a turret that's on the base of it, right in the middle, that somebody else can man, and that person can kill the people who are getting close to it. Because any any random Spartan or Elite in the multiplayer can run up to the tank, jump on it, and just throw a grenade down the down the the chute, (laughs) or whatever it's called. I don't know where they throw
0: the grenade, but they throw a grenade somewhere. Throw it somewhere, and just blows right in the
1: exhaust pipe, and it blows up the tank instantly, and. That's it. That's unstoppable if you don't have a turret. Uh, if you don't have somebody manning the turret. Mm-hmm. Uh, the design philosophy throughout the entirety of the uh, vehicle design, it's almost exclusively cooperative. There's only a few that are, like, the Ghost or the... Is that it?
0: The Hornet, uh, really. Yeah, the flying vehicles.
1: Uh... None of those really. Like on the Hornet, you can jump on the side, but no one's going to jump on the side because if you're on the side, you're you're just just using your regular. You're just using your regular gun, (laughs) so there's no benefit to being on the Hornet. But um, everything is designed with multiplayer in mind, which is an awesome experience if you're a cooperative gamer because that means you can definitely see choices for you and your
0: friend. From like Halo One, like if we just look at the Scorpion tank, like Halo One had you control the turret yourself. So it was like there was only one seat on the tank and you would control the machine gun and the main cannon. And so like they definitely approved that. Whereas like in Halo 2, did they even have? I don't think Halo 2 added the turret. I think Halo 3 is the first one that added the second seat to the Scorpion tank.
1: I'm thinking real hard about it and I'm not sure because when we played Halo 2, we were kind of speed running. So there was that mission yeah. where you were predominant. you're mostly in the tank you have to lower the bridge and then you drive the tank through the of course the, the tank level well i cuz you just went and got a ghost cuz it's faster and then i just kind of caught yeah. up with you so i don't remember i don't cuz even in campaign with the scorpion tank no one's really going to jump on you so there's no real reason for you to be on the turret when there are ghosts lying around yeah, Halo Three also has this situation where none of the elites are really going to jump on your tank, and almost every situation where you do get a tank, there's usually more than one tank. Oh yeah, I think the only time where you get a tank is in that level where the flood shows up, and you're supposed to disable all the towers. I think you get a tank halfway through that level, and you get a Gauss Cannon, a Warthog, which is it's the it's the same. It's instead of a minigun, it's a it's a basically a grenade launcher. It's like yep. a miniature tank on the back of a warhog. It's very, very strong. And so usually if you're playing co-op, you just get into that goss tank and then let the AI drive the tank or get the goss warthog and let the AI drive the tank. Or a person will drive the warthog and let an AI get on the goss and then somebody gets in the tank and drives it around. It's like there's a lot of variation to whatever play style you want. Like how fast do you want to play? Versus, how much do you want to obliterate? And you get a, you get a little bit of freedom in some of the levels. Kind of is a faithful thorough line through the first, the original trilogy, where you do have decisions that you can make in these wide open areas, this sandbox where you can grab a ghost or you can you can walk on foot for almost all of them. If you really wanted to, you could just yeah, go no, on foot and try. And that be a it. drag. That's one thing that Halo really has going for it.
0: Yeah, the vehicles are very important. Okay, so if you were to, say, come up to a friend and he was like, Hey man, I really want to play a co-op game together. Would you recommend Halo 3 to him?
1: We are in a gray area with Halo 3, and this is going to be something that is going to be probably overarching the more we play on Xbox, is that we were playing this on Game Pass, so the barrier for entry when you're playing games on Game Pass is very, very low. It's a dollar, usually, when the Game Pass is on sale. So you pay a dollar and you get to play not only halo 3 this is a very very edge case because halo 3 you don't just play you don't just get halo 3 you get a game called the master chief collection master chief collection comes with halo 1 halo 2 halo 3 halo 4 halo reach halo odst there's so much co-op in that package that this it's just Incredibly hard to say this is not something that you should probably invest in if this is what you're looking for a cooperative experience. This thing kind of has the whole thing where you can have a solo experience, a cooperative experience, and a uh, player versus player experience all in one package. And all of it is competent.
0: Most of it is competent. (laughs) Asterisk, most of it. And so some of it is kind of cancer you i would
1: recommend cuz i have bought i've purchased this game this was one of the first games to purchase on the xbox one in yep, its life cycle same, same uh so i went ahead and purchased it way back when and most of my friends that i play with are playing with it on game pass um master chief collection house has a which we it has a unique thing where you can just download specifically which games you want to download we had trouble with that. I, as far as I was aware, you were supposed to be able to do that without downloading the whole thing. But oh, yeah. We were having a lot of problems with that, so so we ended up just downloading the whole game <laughs> and just said, oh, "Fuck it, we're gonna play all the games anyway."
0: So well, not exactly like how it went was um, like you have to reserve the space in case you want to install all the games. So I had to like clear out space on my hard drive for the was like a hundred and seventy two gigs or something like that. And then it could start the download. And then once it got to like 10%, then I could go in and pick and choose what games I wanted to install from there. But it was just like, it was just like a day by day thing where first I installed Halo 3. Then I'm like, you know, I want to play some Halo 2. Then I installed Halo 2 the next day. And then I'm like, you know, I could really do some Halo 1. I really do some Halo 1 multiplayer. I installed Halo 1. And then, of course, I have the whole thing installed now.
1: Yeah, just that's just how I. When you see it in front of you like that, you know, it's like you see the ranked matches. They they rotate a couple of the ranked uh game types, rotate in and out, and then you see Halo Reach, Oddball, or something, and you're like, wow. (laughs) Now that I'm looking at it, I kind of want to try it out for a little bit, and then you go to click on it and download Halo Reach, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, guess I will, because. Halo Reach is actually the most popular for Forge as well. So most of the custom games most of the custom games you play will be experienced on Reach. I know we halfway through the podcast we were really tooting the horn for Halo 3 uh as far as custom games were concerned. Halo Reach really is just more of Halo 3's oh, yeah. uh Forge Forge mode with so much more implemented and it seems to definitely be a focus of 343's attention. Um, So much so that just recently, if you're listening to this, it's already implemented on the Master Chief Collection, but they added matchmaking for Halo Reach uh, custom games. And you can see the game type they're playing, you can see the map they're playing on, and what kind of game it is. Um, It's like just looking at a uh, game browser, and it reminds me of playing uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 on yeah
0: exactly
1: what it is it's just like you see a big list of games and there's a ton like i'm telling you man they there's tons of people playing halo master chief collection i know it had a horrible it has this stigma of being terrible because it launched in a terrible state which it fucking did it launched in a terrible terrible state it was unacceptable but it's been fixed and it's it's actually brilliant It's a Rainbow Six Siege moment or a, uh, what is it? No Man's Sky moment where this game really has redeemed itself and turned itself into something absolutely
0: beautiful. If I was going to, like, you know, recommend this to a friend, like, I would even go as far as like, I have two daughters and I would love to play through Halo 3 with them. Like, I don't know how much they'd really appreciate it. Like, one's 13, one's 8 right now. And, uh, I don't know, like, they, like they kind of like video games, but not super into it. And this game is a little bit, um, I don't know, how user-friendly would you say Halo 3 is to, like, the average gamer?
1: I would say that Halo is an incredibly approachable first-person shooter. I would say to anyone trying to get into first-person shooting, uh, first-person shooter games, um, Halo is a good place to start because of how easy the lowest difficulty is. The fact that it is co-op and it is built with co-op in mind i would not recommend halo 3 i would recommend halo 1 if they can get around how it looks
0: which oh, yeah. it's ugly if
1: halo 1 and halo 2 they both have something awesome they're both completely remade on the same engine and so they have a dedicated button on the controller. It's the select button on the PlayStation. Actually, no, PlayStation 4 and 5, it's pressing in the touchpad. What used to be the select button on both controllers, you press that button. Wait, are you saying it that uh, will?
0: you've been playing with a PlayStation controller?
1: No, no, no. Um, I just know... I'm just translating it in my head. It's like if you say right trigger, it's R2 on the PlayStation controller. I was oh, just translating yeah. the buttons. Because I was going to say where the select button was on the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 controller, but mm-hmm. that's not true on PlayStation anymore because PlayStation has a share button there now. And then oh, what the, the select button. button used to be it's literally physically pressing in the uh, touchpad, which is strange, to say the yeah. least. But, um, what was I even saying? I don't remember. Oh, there's a dedicated button where you can switch between the old graphics and the new graphics. So from the novelty aspect alone, I feel like people who are young will it'll be like, look, this is what I this is what I saw when I played it when I was your age. And then press the button and I'm like, this is the new graphics that I don't like <laughs> nearly as much. But it's still good in Halo 1's uh in Halo 1's graphics instance. Halo 2's graphics are fucking unbelievable. They make the game lag to all shit sometimes when there's a lot of explosions oh, yeah. and particle effects going on. I do not on. like but the
0: new graphics at all.
1: I love the Halo 2 graphics and I'm always like looking at everything with the graphics. Uh, but as far as when I'm playing the game on a higher difficulties, if I'm playing the game with a friend just to experience the game, I'll play with the high graphics. If I'm playing the game yeah. on a high difficulty or to speedrun it, I will play on the low graphics because the game is so much easier to read. There's a lot less... Clutter on the screen, a lot less shit going on. Yeah, less foliage distract you. Yeah, and I I am a person who definitely loves is foliage. <laughs> I if oh, you man. if you go onto my my Xbox profile and you look through my captures, it's half glitches, like half glitch recordings, and then the other half is me taking pictures. In any game that has a photo mode, I will take fifty pictures before I'm oh, done same, playing the game. Man i just like, I feel like pictures.
0: I'm a, a digital tourist half the time, where I'm just looking for the perfect screenshot. You know?
1: Yes, I absolutely love taking screenshots, and it's Halo. 3, Halo Two Anniversary Edition is definitely a screenshot worthy. There's multiple times in Halo Three that it's also very pretty. It's dated pretty, but it's still like this is this is nice. You know? It's like P, it's like India games in the Unreal Engine. Yeah, uh, and they didn't exactly have the ability to make assets that were beautiful, but all the Unreal assets are fucking awesome. And then there's kind of goofy-looking character models in the middle of them. But it you
0: still know, some looks of the character, character awesome. models look so good, like Arbiter and Mesh Chief look perfect, and even like the side characters, like Commander Keys, and them. But then if you look at the average Marine, and it it just looks like Play-Doh Man, pretty much.
1: Pretty funny. Pretty yeah. funny looking sometimes. Overall. I think that Halo 3 is a fucking amazing game. And I even if you if you wanted any introduction to the Halo franchise, Halo 3 is where to go, where you should go. Um after that, I would jump to Reach. If you're just strictly like if you're very stingy about your time, I would play Halo 3, go to Halo Reach. And if you really wanted the experience, go ahead and play 1 through 4 and well, play 1 through 3 and play ODST and Reach, and then maybe you can go to four. Because four was made by someone else, and it's noticeable. It's dramatic how different it is. Yeah, it let's not even get started on Halo Five. We'll come back to that it's, one later.
0: Uh, Speaking of later, uh, well, I think that's about covering it for uh, Halo Three. Any thoughts on what our next game should be? We haven't really put a whole lot of thought this far. Um, maybe <laughs> you haven't put a lot of thought into it.
1: I do have I do have spitball ideas. I would right. the one let's that hear, I would definitely hear. want to go for is if we should explain our situation here, where you have a internet connection that is strict at your hotel ah, room that you're staying yes, at, the right? Hotel internet now. I really wanted to play Warhammer Vermintide 2, which is just a Left 4 Dead clone with Warhammer reskin over it. It's very fun. We could not, for the life of us, connect to each other. Um, one thing I'm crossing my fingers over is that we're able to play Overcooked 2 on Game Pass.
0: Overcooked.
1: <laughs> I, am I actually big, played that one with my
0: uh, 13-year-old daughter. And Did it was brutal. There was some yelling. Disown her? Yeah. <laughs> i uh, i've played it closed. with
1: i've played it with many people chop and the tomatoes
0: that's all you have to do roll the
1: sushi this like do you it's, it's the quickest way to ever hear me talk to you like you're a child <laughs> 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 i will sit you down we in need the corner someone to wash and go the don't move <laughs> do this thing please
0: yeah it's okay it's, so yeah that's definitely a maybe yeah, because it's fucking but, notorious uh, for driving what, people up from each other. Uh, what about? Uh, let's look at some games that I've kind of gathered that were almost like built for co-op. Have you heard of Man of Median? Man of, I think it's Median, isn't? Is it not? It's like a adventure point-and-click style game. You know, one game like that was like built for co-op that I was looking at was Dark Genesis. Have you heard of those one?
1: Mm, i know of the darksiders franchise and i know darksiders genesis is not similar to the first two games that's all that's my extent
0: well it's a top-down uh shooter style where you play as death and war and you go like i I, I haven't really looked into that much but i feel like that's one we can maybe look into
1: Another game I was really thinking about is the newer game, uh, Outriders, made by People Can Fly. Um, Outriders by People Can Fly is a... It's kind of like a mishmash of a lot of different games. Like, you're going to be playing it... Because you haven't played it yet. I've played a handful. I think I'm on, like, the third little area. But... You'll, you'll be playing it and you're like, this reminds me a lot of Destiny. And then you'll be sh- playing the combat and you're like, this reminds me a lot of Gears of War. And then you'll... There's like a little arrow thing that's exactly from Dead Space. And you're like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. And then you, the way that you teleport is you basically stick a flag in the ground. It's basically just lighting the bonfire. And you're like, oh, this mm. is like Dark Souls. You know, like you would just constantly be doing that. But it does so everything complicated uh, enough. The... What's it
0: called? Dead Space Walk This Way Arrow?
1: It's exact it's the line. You go pew the and the fucking line takes you it's like that way and you're like okay. I'm getting cool. real
0: tired of games that have the uh the map pointers and the lines on 'em. Like I'm like I don't know. I feel like I'm burned out from the old Ubisoft days of old how every map marker would tell you where to go. The good thing about this game
1: is it is not open world at all. There's
0: okay. it is not open
1: world, like even a little bit. It is more like Dark Souls where you are progressing through an area. And unlock like you're doing the bonfire thing, and you can just fast travel between the bonfires. Um, it's I wouldn't say it's like a Dark Souls of shooters, but because it's not that hard, it can be hard. It, in fact, the difficulty system, which can be changed on the fly, which I think is really cool, but it's reminiscent of Diablo, where Diablo has t- like a bunch of uh, difficulty levels. You know what I mean? This game has yeah. fifteen, I think. And you That's slowly ridiculous. unlock them as you're killing people. I just have it set to where every time I unlock one, it just automatically moves me up. So I'm suffering right now. <laughs> like it's hard. The game is very hard now for me. But um, it, the higher the difficulty level, the better the chance that you get awesome loot. So I'll as I notice when I move up in the difficulty level, I am just all of a sudden getting crazy loot. And it's like a lot of games where you get these different loots. It's kind of like incremental damage going up and you're just like oh, okay you know i just do 10 more damage than i used to this game which i should preface it's made by people can fly these are the guys that made Bulletstorm, storm which was an incredibly fun uh first person shooter and they also made gears of war judgment which is <laughs> 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 all right all right but um they have lineage in the gears of war franchise and whenever you play this game you're like i feel like i'm playing gears of war I feel like I'm. Pl- it's Gears of War with the cover. It's got all the cover and everything, but you are very much incentivized to not be in cover. Like you are say, like, incentivized to you know run. What it is? It's it definitely feels like a three hundred and sixty game, where with with all of these design decisions, but all of the design decisions are made with the modern gamer in mind, and at the same time, it almost feels refreshing, like. When, you, when we went through that glut of World War II games, and then all of a sudden there were none. We were only playing modern war games. And we played a little bit of Future War. And then all of a sudden we had two, a World War II shooter and two World War II shooters yeah, in one year, basically. And we were like, oh, thank God it's World War II. We had to shoot Nazis. That's awesome. And so yeah. uh, it's kind of like how I feel about that. Like, I will play this game and just put on a podcast and just just go through the go through the motions of trying to get through the the zone and i just vehemently refuse to turn the difficulty down so i, I am struggling through every single firefight i go through but um they have the dna of gears of war and there are four different classes and cuz this is one this is one i'm confident that you All will right, probably right, you
0: convinced me we can check it out
1: well, well I was saying with this game, this one I'm convinced that you will probably be able to connect to me with because it's server based and it seems to be the kinds of games that we're able to connect to each other from. With uh it it cuz if the servers are overloaded then you're just not able to play at all even in single player. So, and that's to keep people from fucking duplicating guns and fucking everything up. But um Yeah, there there's there's four different kinds of players and four different classes and each one the way that they heal is different and i don't know i know three of them i don't know the fourth one but so i know mine which is i'm like a sniper and the only way that they can make a sniper class with this kind of thing is that you have to be able to just deal damage and heal so my character just has spell vamp and life steal basically you know what i mean from the legends terms like yeah. if i do any damage i'd get a percentage of health back the there's a pyromancer guy who just is fire and stuff and he gets healed whenever people are taking fire damage and then there's another character who's like a tank who gets healed when he's close to somebody who dies and then the fourth person who i have no idea what he does but um It really changes the dynamic because I was was playing the game with a burst mage kind of mentality where I just do I'm a glass cannon. I'm doing so much damage because I have to because I'm getting annihilated. I'm turned to Swiss cheese every time I poke my head out. And so I ended up playing with a friend, the Christian guy who played with us on Halo 3. He's playing as a pyromancer and he is basically running around. No, he's not the pyromancer. He's the tank guy the guy who has to kill people close range. He has like a Superman jump. He just jumps in the middle of the fight. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And he's just like, don't worry. This is how I heal. I have to be here. Like, if I'm not (laughs) here, I will die. And so it's like, I'm like, whoa. And then another friend, my friend, uh, Dontre was playing. And he was like, actually, it wasn't Dontre. It was somebody else. But he was the pyromancer. This is the only reason why I know these three. And so he was like, I have to light people on fire. And I was under the impression the whole time that we all just healed when we shot them. So I was like, "Wow, that really makes me want to play a different class because mine is so generic." But at the same time, you can't play with a sniper rifle if you're the tank because then you're not close to them. Yeah. you're not. You're not quick scope 360 no scope. The quick class means what of. weapons you can use. Yeah, it's like a soft cap on your weapons, and but you can still use the sniper if you want. Like you can just play on a lower difficulty where you're not really in any danger. But it's interesting. Huh?
0: All right, well, I think that about wraps it up. I want to thank you, dear listeners, for staying with us through our first episode. Be sure to come back and uh, check us out next week on our next podcast episode release. Anything you want to add in,
1: Dave? We're just going to try and figure out all of this, trying to get everything lined up in a way that we deem acceptable, you know? yeah. going to be just... a couple of episodes before we're really in the format in which we think
0: we need to be in Mm -hmm. all right well thanks for listening see y'all next time bye see ya
1: and so So I'm really just bullying them because it's just me being good at overcooked because i played it a lot and them going, what do you do with the rice? (laughs) And I'm like, you put it in the steamer! Put the rice in the steamer! You know? (laughs) What else would you do with rice? They're like, why can't I send this food out? And I'm like, because it's not on a plate! Are you stupid? (laughs) You know? Like, like, what's going on?
0: I will crucify you if you do not wash the dishes. Like, it's it's, (laughs)